Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Navy Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Casey. Welcome. Thank you. We might start off with you telling us how long you've been with your husband for and how you guys sort of met. Sure. So we've been together and we just recently celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary. And funnily enough, we met on the Navy's birthday. So we um, were both um, midshipmen, um, so the most junior officer rank in the Navy, and we were both being paid to attend the University of Queensland as undergrads. And we were asked to come into the local base um, to put on a barbecue for the Navy's birthday and I got the uniform requirement mucked up and I was in my whites and of course you can't cook a barbecue in white it's a bit of a dangerous thing to do so um, my husband was cooking the barbecue and I felt terrible so I was obviously running around getting you know orange juice and drinks and anything I could do to appease him um, having to cook the barbecue um, without my assistance so and we sort of struck up a friendship from there and then we marched together on Anzac Day that year and then after that he asked me to the movies and things just progressed from there. So a sausage (laughs) sizzle started it all. Yeah. So at that stage were you guys living on board or how what was sort of happening So in Queensland, there's not a huge naval presence. So onboard accommodation wasn't an option for us as undergraduates. Um, So we were living in rental assistance. So, you know, normal civilian uh, housing with subsidised by Navy. My husband was living on board at St John's College um, and I was living in uh, just a standard sort of uh, rental place. So did you sort of have a sense of urgency in the fact that you guys were both being posted soon or did you have a bit of time to sort of connect without feeling like one was going to be going to another location or we had 12 months so we had 12 months before Ashley had to attend the new entry officers course which was six months of training so there was a little bit of sense of urgency I guess and it always felt like it was hanging over our head a bit you know eventually he was going to have to go off and be away for this six month period but other than that we really enjoyed the fact that you know we were lucky we were being paid to study um, and we you know had a fair bit of spare time at, at that point in time in our lives and so once your husband went off to do the six months training what was your situation did you then go or you had a different direction or so interestingly the way it worked out is initially I was meant to be going on the next course so we would have been apart for six months but the teaching rules changed in Queensland and if I had have completed my degree and not registered as as a teacher, which I wouldn't have been able to register as a teacher because I owed the Navy um, six years, I would have had to go back and and redo some of my qualifications. So I phoned my executive officer and um, my CEO at the time made the decision to crash post me onto the new entry officers course. So I ended up posted onto that course, the same course as Ashley, but a different division. And the first he knew about it was when he saw me across the breakfast table when I had arrived. worked out really well or not really because we were on duty one in three it Uh, meant that we could only see each other probably once every couple of weeks 
once every six weeks we were off duty at the same time and of course we were on course together so we had to be very professional and in fact staff knew that we were engaged because we were engaged at that point in time but we chose for the first four weeks not to tell our other the other participants of the course that we that we're engaged or that we knew each other at all so fair enough you wanted to sort of keep it all professional and yeah when you guys both joined the navy um had you or ash had any background in defense or navy or um had any connection to defense ashley's dad um did some national service with army and my grandfather was a warrant officer class two in the army um and he'd done sort of 20 years in the army and that was both of our background but none neither of us has a family history in the navy so what were your sort of expectations going into defense and navy life and what you thought it might be like it was interesting originally i had gone in applying for air force but i had a background of sailing i did marine studies at school i did scuba diving and snorkeling and all these you know maritime activities and so recruiting had said to me look you know you've got a maritime background have you thought about the navy and and I hadn't to begin with and then when I considered it and I thought well you know I really love the water why not give it a go in the navy interestingly though I haven't because of the type of officer that I am I'm a training systems officer I haven't spent as much time at sea as I would like which is unusual for being in the navy what was the actual reality of navy life and especially with you both being members had you spoken about how you thought it might work with both of you being in the Navy or were you just sort of going to see how it worked? I think we're a bit young and naive in that particularly you know we were both concentrating so hard on both of our careers so at that point in our Navy lives we hadn't sort of discussed who was going to be a career member it was very much both of us were pursuing our careers at the same time and alongside each other and we were just going to make it work so you know I initially joined the Navy as a warfare officer so I would have spent 80% of my time at sea but when I actually ended up falling pregnant on my new entry officer course which was um, certainly unexpected and so I changed my primary qualification to training systems which meant I wouldn't be spending that that lengthy time away at sea and it meant that with both of us being in that we were much likely to be able to be able to juggle a family with both of us serving. Definitely. So does Navy sort of take into account that you're both members or is it just up to you guys just to make that decision who will be the career member and then you just sort of follow suit with whoever is listed as the career member? It's been interesting. It's evolved in the time that we've been in and as we've gotten older and certainly as we've, you know, become more qualified and we've we've got family considerations. Certainly when we were younger and it was the two of us, it was very much, you know, we needed to do our training and if that kept us apart then so be it but as children came on the scene and as we qualified Navy was certainly fairly accommodating in trying to keep us together it certainly meant that we had to nominate a career member in our instance um, we nominated my husband simply he owns more he's an engineer so he earns quite a bit more than I do so it just made sense to nominate him to be the career member that's not for the rest of our Navy career we can actually change that as we move through and go through so for one set of posting cycles might be him and then for another set of posting cycles it might be me. That's awesome that you can make that decision together and you can sort of take a posting that you really want to do and he can sort of step back a little bit. Well interestingly our career managers who are two separate officers actually 
meet us together now. So the four of us sit in a room and discuss, you know, uh, what the next two to five years is going to look like and how we can make sure we're, we're hitting both our career milestones in that plan. And that certainly happens the last two posting interviews, which is just, I know as a spouse, I'm very grateful to be able to sit in the same room for that conversation. And I know that's something that as a military member, I'm afforded that my non-military spouses aren't potentially afforded. And it's certainly something I'm grateful for. Yeah, definitely. It's not such a shock when he comes home and says, oh, this is what I'll be doing. (laughs) You mentioned that obviously it was a little bit of a surprise when you first got pregnant. How did that all play out? And with timings, obviously, because it happened before you were kind of planning on starting a family. Interestingly, I'd been told by doctors that I would have a great deal of difficulty falling pregnant. You know, so we, it wasn't something that we'd been planning for at all. Um, And I found out that I was pregnant when I was at sea, which was a little bit problematic in that you can't be on a ship and be pregnant, or at least you couldn't be at that point in time. Wow. So maybe you just thought you were just a bit seasick or? I did initially think I was seasick when I couldn't walk past the galley, the kitchen without wanting to be sick. And we were alongside. That's what sort of alerted to me to that there was something else going on. So oh dear. Um, yeah, so I went to the medical center and, you know, it all happened. So, and then I ended up coming off the ship and then heading back to HMAS Creswell, which is where the training's being conducted. And luckily I'd spent enough time at sea to meet that training requirement. That's awesome yeah. because then you yeah. would, it would have had, you would have had to start that again. Yeah. Or no? Yes, that's right. I would have been back classed. Um, but I can't speak highly enough of how Creswell and the staff there handled um, me falling pregnant on course. They were incredibly supportive. The, the divisional officers particularly were just amazing. Admittedly, I had, I had 12 months of academics yet to run, but they were just amazing in terms of how they handled it and very mature. So I'm very grateful for that because it would have been very easy just to backclass me. So then what sort of happened for the rest of your pregnancy? What were you sort of doing? So I had the academic component of the course yet to run and it just meant for graduation, the graduation parade, I couldn't handle a weapon. So I did, I was up the front folding the flag for the graduation ceremony, which is a lovely thing to do anyway. But it meant, you know, once I graduated, I just went to work as normal. So um, I started out at HMAS Albatross in a training development role. So what was Ash doing once he finished his training? So he was doing his um, aeronautical engineering application course. So it was his initial primary qualification training. So very much both of us were trying to get careers off the line in terms of doing that initial career training that you do once you finish your officer specific training. At that stage, you knew that you would still be in the same location once you had the baby or were there postings coming up? There were postings coming up. So there was a little bit of uncertainty because for my initial training, I had to go away to HMAS Cerberus, which is in Victoria. And that was um, a nine week course at the time. But what they did is they delayed that until after I came back from maternity leave. And then after coming back from maternity leave, I had to go do that nine week course. But I came home every weekend. It was quite a lengthy commute from Cerberus to Nowra, which is where Ashley was. Um, And he used to drive every Friday from Nowra to Sydney with the baby in the back to pick me up. How did Ashley go during the week 
working and then look, I mean, it's no different than a woman doing it, but how did he find that while you're away? We discussed at length how we were going to manage that because Ashley being on training, in training, sometimes couldn't guarantee when he would be home. So what we did is we ended up getting a nanny rather than putting Arthur, our son, into childcare. So we had a live-in or pair for Arthur and she would cook dinners some of the time and Ash would then take care of things, you know, when he got home and, and that sort of jazz. But I think just having that additional support in the house really helped him get through that training period. And I think also great for him to actually see how coping by yourself with obviously help, but essentially during the nights he was he was it and yeah and dealing with, you know, if Arthur was sick or whatever came up along the way, obviously it was on on him. So that would have been interesting for him to obviously th- see that perspective. I'm I'm guessing maybe he had a greater understanding of how it all works for very much so. Whoever the primary care giver is. Yeah. In our house everything's done fifty fifty. So um I mean I found during maternity leave I took on a lot of the domestic tasks, which is fine. You know, I was at home full time. But when I went back to work, we really, it was interesting because of that, that mental load in terms of organizing things, you know, making sure that the house runs. Ashley had to do that on his own without me there. Um, and it was a bit of a, a role reversal, which we've carried on for the rest of our naval careers is, you know, we, it's a bit like handballing the situation between the two of us. And we're both very good at picking up and juggling things on our own. But I tell you what, it's so much easier when you're both home. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But maybe a blessing in disguise for something like that to happen early on to set you guys up for, you know, future distance and separation and dealing with things on your own and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it was it was no one had prepared us for what it was going to be like to have a brand new you know baby at 23 living away from home in terms of our family support was all in Queensland and we had a really strong friendship network and I must admit that defense friendship network that you make becomes your second family and and that was what got us through you know some of the harder periods you know after being sick and particularly you know first time round as a new mum or as a new dad when a baby gets sick the first time it can be quite stressful so and so how did you feel obviously when you went on maternity leave did you make use of the spouse support networks and play groups and things like that and how being a member as well and a spouse how did you find that so first time on maternity leave I didn't make use I didn't know about um it was called Kookaburra Retreat and I didn't I didn't know about it and I was quite isolated in terms of being on maternity leave the second time when I had Adele I found Kookaburra Retreat which was the local sort of family support and I had play group and and nannies that would you know look after kids so you could have a hot cup of coffee and actually drink it and speak to friends and it was just stellar difference in terms of the experience on maternity leave because of that support out at Kookaburra Retreat. And so how did you find being so isolated the first time after having Arthur when you're on maternity leave and and you didn't really have those support networks? So some of the friends that we went through initial training with and that had been undergrads had all come to Nowra together and they booked spouses with them. And so there were probably three or four spouses that, you know, would come over regularly and have just have a cup of tea with or come and hold Arthur so that I could have a shower and, you know, those those nights, nights 
nice things. That was really helpful. But none of them had children. They were all, you know, either newly married or or they were the girlfriends of spouses. And so I was the first one to have children in that sort of age bracket. So that was quite difficult. Do you think that it actually ended up being a blessing in disguise that you fell pregnant before you were planning on? And the fact that obviously you thought it was actually going to be tougher than than accidentally falling pregnant. Do you think it was a blessing looking back because it sort of worked out this way with, you know, postings and jobs or how did you sort of view it? Have you heard about our Lots of Love Care Packages? An anonymous and free box of self-care goodies that can totally make a military spouse's day. It's a way for friends and family to send an acknowledgement in the mail to a military spouse to let them know they're awesome and the Navy Wife Life community has their back. Pop over to the Navy Wife Life website after you finish listening to this episode, of course, and sign someone up for the Lots of Love box. Um, very much a blessing. Ashley and I were both, you know, really happy to have a baby. I mean, it was unexpected, but you, you can never be unhappy about a baby. They're gorgeous. Lots of work, but gorgeous. And the fact that the doctors have said that, you know, it may not be a possibility and that it would have been very difficult and to fall and pregnant um, like that, you know, we were both really happy. And then because it happened before I'd started off as a warfare officer, if I'd started my training as a warfare officer, it would have been much more difficult to change people. So changing to training systems officer has made our lives much more manageable um, in terms of juggling sea time and time away. I mean, certainly I still go away from home, but we're talking periods of a couple of weeks at a time. Obviously, you then knew that you could get pregnant. So had you sort of talked about when you would plan to have your next baby or, yeah, how did that sort of work in with postings and jobs? So we, the two of us discussed it and we very much wanted to have kids quite close together and particularly while I was still so fit from because of the amount of exercise you do on initial training I was very very fit which is part of what the doctors think contributed to me being able to fall pregnant was the fact that I was just in such good physical shape and so we sort of wanted to capitalize on that so we had Adele sort of there's two and a half years between Arthur and Adele and when you got pregnant with Adele you were quite sick yeah so I had um, what's called hyperemesis which is you vomit basically um and I was losing body weight rather than gaining it so I'd I'd go into the local medical center and they'd give me you know IV fluids and that'd be the beginning of my work day and then have my IV fluids and then I'd toddle off to work and it was pretty rough so once Adele came along what was the plan then that you would have 12 months off or how does it sort of work with second baby and yep um so you you have access to the same leave provisions with defense which is that 12 weeks so it's 14 weeks at full time pay and then you can take up to a year leave without pay. I took the whole 12 months because I wanted to spend as much time with Adele as I possibly could. It was interesting. There were two very different maternity leaves. It was interesting because although I had so much more support the second time around, just before I was due to go back to work, I I just I couldn't put my finger on it, but something wasn't quite right in terms of how I was feeling um, with the second time around. I just I was going through the motions a lot of the time. You know, I was feeling quite numb. I just, I felt 
quite disconnected, even though I had all of this support. And I was in the shower one day and I just remember thinking, this can't be right. Like this does not feel right compared to the last time I was on maternity leave. Something's not right. And I went in and saw the doctor, the GP. I made an appointment that day um, and they diagnosed me with postnatal depression. And it was a relief. (laughs) It was a relief to know that there was a a name for what it was that I was feeling. Um, But they put me on medication straight away. And then I went back to work, I think, two weeks later. And how did you feel going back to work or had the medication even started to work by then? Or Not really. The medication hadn't really started to work, but going back to work is always a double-edged sword. There's a sense of relief because, you know, I know you can go to work and people tell you when you're doing a good job. It's not very often as a mum that you get told that you're doing a good job. And I, I like that. That feedback was always really nice. Um, but, you know, obviously the hard thing was that I was going back to work and leaving my kids and I really enjoyed the time that I had it at home with them um the the postnatal depression side of the house that was hard and particularly initially because I I was just I didn't know what was wrong and that was quite alarming Mm -hmm. and did Ashley sort of pick up what was going on or did you really keep that hidden he knew something wasn't right but we both were so we were both so busy just trying to keep on top of work and and kids and you know what it's like that route that constant routine when you've got two little kids yeah um, it sort of wasn't something that we talk about we spoke about at that time and yeah. once I was diagnosed it was okay well how do we where to from here and and he was very supportive but out of that diagnosis so I started the type of medication that they prescribed me was a type of antidepressant I've got a history of bipolar affective disorder in my family which okay. um I declared to the doctors but the type of antidepressant that they put me on can trigger bipolar episodes in people that are predisposed to it. And so I had my first manic episode uh, within six months of returning to work out as, as an instructor out at HMAS Crowswell. And that was terrifying for us as a family because we had no idea what was going on. Did you even have a sense of what was happening or because it was actually you and you weren't on the outside looking at what was going on? You sort of no. just... All I knew was I was so relieved not to be feeling so bleak anymore um, and so numb and so initially you know those feelings of feeling elated and feeling energetic which mania in in bipolar it just starts off as you know you need less sleep and you know you're more energetic and aren't those all things that we'd like to be so initially I had no sort of self-awareness of what was going on and it was actually my husband that picked up what was going on and went to medical center to say hey she's not well you need but it, it was quite complicated because of privacy and obviously at that point in time I didn't think anything was wrong but eventually I got diagnosed um, and I spent six weeks at a, a facility called South Coast Private which is a private psychiatric facility and they got me on the right medication and I mean, it was a really scary experience for the family um, and probably for my employer as well. But once we sort of knew what we were dealing with um, and we were, you were given that sort of education in the hospital as well. And But my husband was just, he was amazing through the, the whole thing. You know, he really had to pick up everything at home. Um, we had no, no support. Um, and so he was doing an aeronautical engineering job at a squadron at the time. And so he was, you know, doing the deputy job 
job at the squadron and then coming home and running everything with two small children over in hospital. So, and he did that on his own. And other people that would know what is involved with a deputy job knows that it's pretty full on. Yeah. Obviously you were there for six weeks, but probably like you mentioned, feeling relieved that you were getting a plan put in place and getting something to manage it. What was the process with sort of coming back once you came out of hospital? Did you sort of ease back into work or how did that sort of work being gone for six weeks from the kids? Like how were you feeling um, coming back home? It was, I was shell-shocked when I came home and the medication that I was on, I was, it was like, you know, thinking through clouds. It was really, and my self-esteem had taken a huge hit as well. It was really awful. <laughs> we did a graduated return to work. So I had two weeks off work and then I did a graduated return to work. I went from, I was in a staff officer position at that time and I'd gone from, you know, running a small department to all of a sudden I was having difficulty answering the phone. And that that was that was really challenging um, because I'd lost that ability to multitask. And that was something that only came back over subsequent months. And and work work was really supportive. And medical at work was good once they knew what was going on and the specialist sort of gave them the advice. And you know, I sat down and had the frank conversation with my bosses and they were really supportive. But I was I was really embarrassed, I think, more than anything at the time. Yeah, and and coming to grips with your new normal because obviously it's got to be managed, is it, all the time? Yes. So um, the medica- So I take medication and that sort of it makes things more normal, but I still had to learn some cognitive skills just you know, I've got to be aware of what my stresses are. Um, I've got to make sure that I get enough sleep. It's just making sure that I'm monitoring what's going on. And of course, when you're both dual serving in the military and you're running a household with small children, stress is just part of what we do. That's right. And knowing your limits, because essentially if you're breaking your limits, it's then going to affect the whole family because you've got to pretty much put yourself first in order to be able to put them first. Yeah. And particularly, my daughter Adele because she was so young when it happened she had real separation anxiety because I just disappeared for six weeks and so when I came home you know I'd go to walk out the door and she'd scream and that was really hard that was really really hard but you know over time it got better and um, it's certainly something now the kids you know now that they're older I mean they're nine and seven now and so you know we had the conversation I think two years ago um, just to say you know, mummy, mummy's brain, you know, sometimes is a little bit sick and makes her feel sad when she's not really sad and it's not your fault. And I think that was really important to have that conversation because they're not silly. The kids know when something's not quite right. And so the children are just, they're so resilient and they're amazing kids. And they're just, the both of them are so caring and compassionate. You know, if, if I'm having a bad day or whatever, they'll come in and, you know, make me toast in bed or they're, they're great kids. They really are. So once every everything was sort of on track with medication wise and you'd sort of gotten into a new routine and it was all sort of sorted, did Ashley ever have a point where he was like, okay, I'm going to fall in a help heap thinking back at what we've just all been through or did he just power through or what was um, that sort of like for him to just keep going? He just powered through. I don't know how he did. I really don't. He just kept kept on showing up and kept on doing and, you know, it made me, I mean, I already had a lot of respect for my husband, but I've certainly, I certainly generated a lot more because he was just incredible in terms of how he handled everything. So it was a 
gradual handover process in terms of when I came home, you know, he was still cooking dinners and all that sort of stuff because I just, I just wasn't capable. And initially it was just trying to get through each work day and then, and then I'd add in a chore around the house and, you know, eventually we got to the point where it was 50-50 around the house again and, you know, he never once complained. He was just amazing. Um, so obviously you're back at, you're both back at work. One is starting school or what was the stage with the kids and all? They were both in daycare. Um, Arthur was doing preschool in daycare and Adele was in daycare. It was it was easier to keep them in, in daycare at that point. And then the Navy gave us a posting to Canberra, which was amazing for me because it was a bit of a fresh start, um, which was really nice. And uh, I started working with the Director of Navy Leadership and Culture Development and they were just an incredible team of people and a really great place to do, sort of do some rehabilitation from everything that we've been through and anyone that's done a posting to Canberra knows it's a great place for raising kids. So, so you guys went there and obviously you're both going there to work. How does that work with setting up support networks and sort of integrating into not only the military world there but then the spouse world which is also important to feel settled and, and um, feel like you're part of a community? What did you sort of do when you moved to Canberra to sort of integrate and feel like part of something? So the kids started school when we came to Canberra and so that was a we engaged quite a bit with the parent evenings and um, got to know you know some of the other parents in Canberra which was really lovely and one of the other spouses from our previous posting posted over here and people that we'd previously been other postings had posted to Canberra and so we just re-established okay who's posted to Canberra and you know who can we connect with and that's how we sort of integrated into Canberra. Yeah and so what's the plan with you guys being in Canberra is that where you'll likely be posted for a fair while or what's the plan with um, both your careers at this stage? As always, there's always, you know, a posting or something that's got to happen next. So for Ashley's career to progress, we're waiting on a particular um, a particular posting back at a squadron. And so we're hoping he gets selected for that soon. But until that happens, we're sort of trying to, to bide our time in Canberra. And once he gets selected for that position, then I will talk to my poster and try and manage a posting around that posting. So it can be quite challenging but yeah we're just we're hoping to make it work yeah and have you discussed you staying and Ashley moving or is that not what you want to do what how have you sort of planned in case you don't get a posting as well yeah so we've spoken about doing MWDU um, and it's just with my condition um, as well as just the stress of running the house we've decided that doing MWDU is not something that we really want to do so the policy allows that if there's no posting that's found for me or I can't do remote work then I can take leave without pay to accompany him um, and that's certainly if it got to that that's what we look at doing and certainly you know I've seen plenty of families do MWDU and make it work but it's just not something that we're willing to do at this point in time. Yeah and obviously you're putting your mental health and yourself first in 
regards to if you're not doing okay, then no one else is doing okay. So there'd be no point in doing it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So aside from that, what have been, obviously you're a military member and you're a military spouse. So what have been some of the things that you've put in place to look after yourself, make life easier? Have you got any hacks for us that you do to make life easier for yourself? So last posting, Ashley was traveling sort of two weeks out of every four and I almost wished him away on deployment because I think sometimes it's easier when they're away for a block of time rather than when they're jack in the boxing in and out of the house because the routine sort of gets really mucked with. But best thing, I, I relax my standards. So where I would normally try and keep a fairly immaculate house, if the kids made a mess and it didn't have to be cleaned up at that particular time, then, it, you know, so be it. Having honest friends that they're not going to judge you on your house. Um, I think that keeping it real in terms of, you know, the people that you have around you are going to be are going to make or break you for this for periods like that you know you keep in terms of being able to keep your chin up or if you have something bad happen or that you you know you need to debrief that you'd normally have that conversation with your partner and you can't contact your partner being able to contact one of your girlfriends and and have that discussion with them hair appointments i know it sounds ridiculous but going getting my hair done is one of the things that just makes me feel better and occasionally forking out for a cleaner um if you have the money a cleaner is one of the most amazing things that you can do for yourself i think i think even if they only come once a month and do that you know the hard nitty-gritty stuff the the best thing you can do for yourself is surround yourself with real people that are going to help you you know lift your spirits when when you need to make those phone calls when when you can't reach your partner and allow you to actually just tell them what's going on and for them to just say yeah it's going to be okay but yeah it's pretty tough at the moment or yeah I think that was the one thing you know being diagnosed with mental health condition and, and going through that period of diagnosis was I had tried to put on a facade that I was this perfect mum and, you know, this amazing officer and, you know, I could do all these things and life, you know, my life was really amazing and nothing, nothing bad ever happened in it. And I was so busy putting on that facade that behind it, I was really struggling. And I found that when I was actually vulnerable and, you know, once I was diagnosed and, and I told people, hey, this is what I'm actually going through. No, I'm not doing okay. Or I'm having a bad day today that, other people are are struggling too whether or not they have a mental health you know issue or not people still have bad days you know and I think the ability to honestly communicate about them rather than pretending that we're all doing fine and have it together is something that's quite amazing and it makes you feel like you're actually seen and that you're not just going through it by yourself because there's someone else that wants to voice that it's not all good all the time (laughs) and how do you and Ashley stay connected did you find a good babysitter straight away how did you sort of work that with obviously when you go to a new location you can't just leave your kids with anyone and you're not really feeling comfortable to do that so we'll we'll have a date night after the kids go to bed that particularly when we move to a new location and we're still finding a babysitter um that's something that you know we'll just set aside that time to spend time together um whether it be watching a movie or um having a nice dinner together or but always after the kids are in bed asleep yeah so and the other thing is we try where we can 
can occasionally we'll have lunch together so you know we'll take a lunch break even though we're at separate defense locations even if we only get 20 minutes half an hour together but we tend to find those sort of lunchtime dates really help as well yeah awesome because it doesn't really feel like you're taking any family time away or like no. it's just extra time together yeah yeah well thank you so much for coming onto the podcast casey i hope it's been a good experience yeah no it's been brilliant thank you for having me to talk thank you so much I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in the same boat, or should I say ship. We're all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into iTunes and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I'm always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.navywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you.